Welcome to Voices of REC, Ruth Ellis Center. We are your hosts, Nazarena Marcasege Minaya, Senior Development Associate. And with me, my wonderful co-host, tell them your name, girl. Hi, everyone. I am Aisha Schultz-Spradlin, the Community Engagement Manager here at Ruth Ellis Center. Awesome. And together, we are the hosts of Voices of REC. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. We're very excited about Ruth Ellis Center's newest endeavor. And we're just going to jump right into it. Um, so we figured if, if we were going to be the hosts of this podcast, that we should probably <laughs> introduce ourselves. You know, just a smidge. Yes. So <laughs> allow us to introduce ourselves. My name is Naz. <laughs> <laughs> allow us to reintroduce ourselves. Our name is Naz. Yes. Into the AZ. Yes. <laughs> everyone we have the great pleasure of sitting down and chatting with some lovely folks from PNC Bank um, this is a long-standing partner of ours they've been incredibly kind to take some time today and chat with us about our history um, the COVID response as well as a lot of the work that they do internally and externally with regards to diversity and inclusion and particularly the LGBTQ community um, in Southeast Michigan and beyond um, I'd like to take this moment to give them an opportunity to introduce themselves. I'm going to start with our board member extraordinaire, James Coleman, if you'd be so kind as to share your full name as well as your position, and we'll move right on to Brian and then Rick. Great. Thank you, Nazarena. I'm going to appreciate the opportunity. So my name is James Coleman. I am the Vice President um, Relationship Strategist in our Wealth Management Group here in Southeast Michigan, um, and appreciate the opportunity. Awesome. Brian? Absolutely. Aisha and nice to talk with you. My name is Brian Keeler. I have the pleasure of overseeing community development banking for the Michigan market as the Senior Vice President of Community Development Banking. Awesome. And last but not least, Rick? Good afternoon. Hi, I'm Rick DeVore. I'm the Regional President of PNC Bank for Detroit and Southeast Michigan. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. It's incredible that you're all taking this time to chat with us today. We very, very much appreciate you. Um, Aisha, if you'd want to move into our talking points about what specifically we're going to be chatting on today. Yes, of course. Um, I also just want to say thank you again um, for spending this time with us. So we know that, you know, we've like we like Naz mentioned before, we've had this long standing relationship with PNC. Um, I've been at the center for six years and I can't recall any time we've done any type of event that you guys weren't involved in. Um, so my question to start this interview would be, what is your first interaction with the center and what made that interaction so impactful? This is Rick DeVore. I'll, I'll start. Um, a former colleague introduced us and, you know, we saw right away that Ruth Ellis shared the same values as PNC's commitment to Detroit's LGBTQ plus community. Um, we realized not only was Ruth Ellis an exceptional organization, but it shared our same value of equality. We um, at PNC have been involved, it's hard to believe, but 10 years with Ruth Ellis. Wow. And we've uh, underwritten about $183,000 of both programming and sponsorships. And, um, 
you know, it's, it's no surprise um, that this uh, relationship has bloomed under uh, James's tutelage. Yes. Oh, that's amazing. Wow. A decade. I love to, I love the word decade. So anytime we're talking about yeah. 10 years, I just love to highlight like, wow, that's a whole decade um, because there's such a large amount of time and, um, you know, relationships just grow immensely during that time. Um, and my question, because, you know, Ruth Ella Center is so big on making sure we have these you know, relationships and partnerships that are mutually benefiting, right? Like, we don't want you to just cut us a check. We want to make sure that we're also engaging with you in ways that, um, you know, benefits you all as well. So what would you say is one of the most impactful benefits of working with Ruthella Center? Yeah, this is James. I can take that. Um, I think one of the most impactful things for me personally is just watching what it means to the community, um, the community that Ruthella serves. I'll never forget the very first Pride event. When we first started, when I first started working with Ruth Ellis, I volunteered at Motor City Pride downtown. Mm -hmm. It was about 2011. Um, and the, the youth would come up and say, thank you for being here as a bank. Yeah. Thank you for being here. And then as the day would go on, customers of, of PNC would come up and say, thank you for being here. And then other people were saying, well, my bank's not here. That's I want to bank with you. And it, we weren't there for us. We were there to support Ruth Ellis. Yeah. And, it turned out people loved seeing us there and they appreciated it. Um, and the rest mm -hmm. is kind of history. Cause at that moment we realized we were doing something bigger um, mm -hmm. and needed to do more. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I remember uh, our Motor City Pride days with our photo booths and our beads. Oh, the good days when we had social events. <laughs> the good old days. Yeah. The good old days when outside was open. <laughs> the before form. Yeah. BC yeah. before COVID. <laughs> oh gosh, yes. Um, and that we, you know, we really appreciate that. And I can say from, you know, I've been, like I said, I've been working at the center now for almost six years. And our PNC, you know, Motor City Pride was the highlight of our, you know, Pride Month, right? Because we knew we were get not only be able to get into the mix of everyone else and see all the other or organizations that were there and all the other companies that were supporting, you know, LGBTQ young people, but we also got to do it with an amazing partner. So, so grateful for that. And hopefully when outside opens back up, that we can have another event um, just as meaningful. Uh, so, we talk a lot about this, you know, the power of this relationship, right? Um, so how has this partnership with the LGBTQIA plus organization impacted your relationship with the larger LGBTQIA community? Because you kind of touched on that a little bit, James, when you said like being at Pride, you know, not only was it the young people that we serve coming up to you, but also people you banked with who maybe have someone in the community or maybe as a part of the community themselves saying that they were glad that you guys were there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's Rick. I'll uh, maybe uh, talk about that a little bit. And you said this earlier, Naz, and I w just want to echo what you said. It's, you know, writing checks is great and it's important and it's necessary. But what James was getting at, I think, is just writing checks, but also being involved, which is our nature. We don't just write a check, but we also need to be involved because you have to see the work that you're doing and, and make sure you understand that work and be part of that work. And, you know, uh, diversity and inclusion has been part of our corporate values for a long time and not just, you know, the flavor of the month just recently. Right. And so partnering with Ruth Ellis is just one of the ways that we demonstrate to our community 
that we care about the community and really make sure that we're a reflection of that community. And, um, you know, it's really important in the community space to set that uh, kind of example. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I say this many times and people sometimes want me to check or, or re-say it or double check me or fact check me. I guess fact check me in this world of politics <laughs> would be right. And that is that, you know, we've had same-sex partner benefits since 2003. Wow. And the first time I said that at Pancakes and Politics, one of the reporters asked me to say it again because he said, I thought you said 2003. And I said, I did. Wow. I did. And, yeah. <laughs> and so it, um, you know, we were in a conversation about uh, the expansion of Elliot Larson. And with that said, I think that really uh, stirred a few, turned a few heads in that meeting. Um, mm, of course. But, it's, and, but it's a demonstration, I think, of our corporate values. And it's really important to not only say something, but be something in terms of the community and how you show up. Yeah. Kind of like putting your money where your mouth is. <laughs> Pretty much. In but also banking putting your terms, mouth yeah. where your mouth is. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, do you have anything to add, James? I know you wanted to jump in there a little earlier. Yeah. The one thing I wanted to add was, you know, Rick kind of segued into it perfectly because one thing we wanted to get was feedback from the community. And by community, we mean at these pride events and when we're doing these things and we're doing surveys and we're finding out what the LGBTQ plus community really needs from us as an organization. And um, we did create something and it took a couple of years, but we created a, an enterprise wide. It was a PNC proud branded debit card. Um, and it's a colorful, bright, awesome debit card. Um, and it probably, and it's been one of the most successful in our organization history, as far as when we come out with a branded card. Um, so it's, you know, flying off the shelves, everyone loves it. And it's something that simple that if we wouldn't have listened to our community, and this is some of the yeah. things that they wanted to have, we wouldn't have been able to do that. So, um, you know, I think there's more to come with that. But for me, as a member of the community and as an employee, um, it meant something and it's been fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that means something to me too. You know, my first bank was PNC. Uh, so when I first got my first little checking account, so that's major to me as well. So yeah, it's crazy because my next question was going to be, you know, how has this relationship impacted the company internally? But according to Rick, you guys have been doing this work, you know, like back since 2003. So it's just like, Oh, I I wish that more, you know, companies and organizations recognize the, you know, how important it is to have that kind of representation, not only, you know, just in individuals, but also in the companies that we, you know, are a part of. Like, like you said, people showing up and saying, where's my bank? Exactly. Where is your, your bank here at this Pride event? Um, but I'm still curious to know, is there, do you feel like, you know, your relationship with Ruth Ellis Center has changed anything for the company internally, uh, maybe like shed light on something else. I know that one of the big ones that we usually hear from folks is, yeah, well, we started using pronouns in our email. And I'm like, that's major. That's a major step. So I'm curious. I think it, I think, I think it has. This is Rick again, and I'd ask James and uh, Brian to chime in, but I think it really has. Um, Several years ago, we started uh, what we call uh, employee business resource groups. And, you know, we have a, a Detroit Women Connect, we have an African American chapter, and we have, you know, a, a Pride chapter, a young, you know, young leaders chapter. And James has been very involved in, in that as well. And it's really um, also sharpened our sensory around um, 
listening and looking for, you know, making sure that our conversations are, are appropriate and one of understanding. I think where sometimes uh, employees uh, get uncomfortable, we've been able to help them walk through that. Um, I don't know what to say. I don't, um, I, I'm not sure which pronoun, you know, what uh, pronoun to use. And so we've really uh, tried to work on that. And I think it's, a lot of it is also listening. Um, and, uh, you know, James, I think, can probably touch on that. But it's really, when you think about it, it's very similar to what we're experiencing right now with racial inequality. There's a lot of uh, people that, uh, that are white. They're like, well, I don't know where to start. And I'm afraid that I might say something incorrectly. Well, just same thing yeah. here. And um, we really need to make sure you have groups that foster that you know, that conversation, because when you think about it, it's not just employees, but also you need to have those kinds of conversations with customers as mm -hmm. well. And mm -hmm. so it's, it's not just employees, but it's customers and it's communities. But I don't right. know, James, if you want to add on that, since you're so involved in that. Yeah, I think it's you, part of what we've done too is a lot of internal surveys to give people a voice and make them, you know, it's one thing to have a meeting and have this great conversation and every we have 50 people in a room or 100 people in a room, um, but a lot of people don't feel comfortable in that setting. So giving people alternate areas to really express how they feel. Uh, so we started doing some, you know, uh, surveys that were confidential. And then we started doing some workshops where we were able to partner with Ruth Ellis and have people come in and really educate our employees. because. We, you know, we, it wasn't that people were coming from a bad place. They were just coming from a place that they didn't understand how to approach a, a situation. And they, they were wanting to be this amazing ally and didn't know how to do it. So we wanted to make sure we gave them tools for the toolbox, if you will, um, to make sure that they can be an ally because their heart was in the right place. They just had no idea how to vocalize it or to, um, to do it. So that was something we've done. Um, from a branding perspective too, we have to do a lot with our clients. We've done, mm. we're still doing work on that because Customers are very different. So we, you know, it's, it's a different thing, but we've done a lot with um, branding. We've got pride screens during pride month in all of our branches. We've got flyers on certain branches um, that go outside. So um, we, we've done a lot of great work and organizations like Ruth Ellis have really helped us along the way um, and been a, a resource. Wow, that this makes me so happy because you know there's always that conversation, right? When and Rick kind of touched on it too, whether it's with racial equality, you know, LGBTQIA folks, um, folks with disabilities, it's always you know this question of well, how do we help, right? And it's always this like not asking the person what they need, <laughs> you know, meeting them where they are. And so it feels so good. And I'm like, so glad to know that there's companies that are doing that, you know, and there's always that, you know, greater conversation when we're talking about, you know, folks using the pride flag to sell some t-shirts, right? Or, and not, where's that money? Is that money going back into this or organization? Is it supporting the community at all? So I'm just so glad to hear that you guys are doing all of the above, right? You're not only, giving that representation in a form of like, hey, we know that our customers have asked for like a pride car that they can show their pride with, but let's also make sure we're supporting organizations that are benefiting them as well and folks like them. So that's super powerful. Um, and I really appreciate you all so much for sharing because, you know, the internal stuff, sometimes everybody doesn't want to share, but I'm glad. Um, yeah, so Naz, you have, I know you wanted to kick off our next set of interview questions. Yeah, absolutely. So um, PNC is also a great part of my personal history. I've been 
running around in those banks for as long as I could remember back in Jersey with my mom. And she still has that account. I'm 32 years old and that account is at least that long. Um, <laughs> yes. And so PNC is definitely, and for me, it's also just like an indicator of home. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's a bank that I'm very comfortable with. Um, and I'm also very proud uh, to share with my family just the extent that your company and organization supports the various populations that we work with in our community. It's, it's incredible mm -hmm. to have those talking points to the family. I've definitely said this at least three different times and I definitely have a cousin who was like, okay, okay, I'm just going to do it. And it's like, of course you are, because this is an awesome organization. You want to <laughs> yes. be a part of this, even if it means just as a customer. Um, and so, you know, also, you know, being from the East Coast, it was also really amazing just knowing how Michigan was impacted, knowing how back home was impacted um, with regards to COVID-19, um, the speed at which PNC sort of, yeah. you know, like flew to the rescue, really understanding how as a nonprofit, us personally, how we were going to be impacted. Um, what it was going to look like for our young people, what it was going to look like for our staff, oh. really the, the speed at which the, the support um, and the questions came, you know, what do you all need? What can we do? Um, it's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. You, yeah. you all were really just the very, the very beginning to us understanding just how much love there was out there for LGBTQ young people in the region. Um, it was just a, it was the beginning of an outpouring of just, I, I don't know that I could characterize it as anything other than just love between mm -hmm. like, you, yeah. know, you know what I mean? Just like what an yeah. incredible partnership. And, you know, all of that being said, my first question really is what was the response of the company internally in regards to COVID-19 that then led you to prioritizing community partnerships like ours in the way that you did? Uh, I'll tell you, you know, it's it's funny. Um, it's been over six months, right? Like you said earlier, and it seems like seven years ago, or not seven <laughs> months ago, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but you know, obviously, the first thing we wanted to make sure is we understood, um, you know, what was uh, our pledge to, you know, reinforce our pledge to uh, keeping our employees safe. Right. Um, but as the as the virus unfolded and it became very clear to us that a number of things that we normally do are not going to be done, we um, really pivoted our foundation and our efforts. And um, we were able to, we decided, you know, that we needed to get at a number of different issues. But to give you an example, some of those were, of course, uh, frontline workers. Uh, we uh, made major grants to both Henry Ford and Beaumont. Henry mm -hmm. Ford in particular had a very tough time getting workers back and forth from Windsor to Detroit. Yeah. You know, some things that we never thought of. So how do you mm -hmm. maybe give them some meals and hotel rooms uh, downtown? Also, uh, food security became even worse. Um, so we did our partnerships with uh, Forgotten Harvest and yes. also with Gleaners. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, there's a lot of things that uh, Brian's team got involved with, and I'd like Brian to expand on it. But also there were some unintended consequences of COVID that actually made some things that are bad even worse. And one in particular that I wanted to highlight was um, battered, you know, families and children where 
you know, I hate to say this, uh, I'm not sure how you say it politically correct, but um, COVID was kind of a field day for people that abuse people. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're all inside. And yeah. so we wanted to make sure that we supported shelters that um, were trying to protect people that yeah. um, were already suffering, but maybe had to vacate their living arrangement. And, you know, that's something that for people that are not close to that, that kind of uh, behavior would, would mm. not think of. So that was another work stream um, that we took on and uh, we were able to, I'm pretty proud, we were able to pivot quite quickly. And uh, here in Detroit alone, we put out in pretty short order over a million dollars of grants, um, wow. different uh, things like that. But Brian, you could probably um, lend a voice to this as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Rick. Um, again, Brian here. So for, for a bank, right, we have a lot of tools and resources that we can strengthen and work with our community. But quite frankly, most importantly, it's first imperative for us to, to listen, to hear what the community needs are. It's one of the reasons for the past 40 years now we've had an outstanding CRA exam and we pride ourselves on that. But really, it's the connection of listening to our nonprofit partners and hearing what's going on in each of our respective neighborhoods. Each of these neighborhoods have strengths, they have opportunities, they have passions where they wanna go. And so for our team to really be on the ground level, it's important to us both internally and externally. One externally is being a corporate partner, a great corporate partner, but even internally, I mean, these are the communities where even our employees, we work, we live, we play. And so we wanna make sure that we're there and we're listening to the partners and what the needs are. And so Rick gave an illustration around some of the domestic violence shelters that we help but really, especially in the first onset of COVID when it first came out, it was really into the basic human needs around securities, food securities, and housing and shelters. And so we want to make sure we were there to do our part. That's incredible. Um, and so forward thinking. Yeah, I'm like blown away because, you know, just to, sorry to jump in here, but just to piggyback off of what, you know, Rick was saying, but like, you're right. You wouldn't know that these communities need support if you're not a person that has ever been in that situation. And, you know, I know here at Ruth Ellis Center, we were just blown away by how quickly you guys responded to us all. And just to see that, you know, you were hitting all everyone, like, you know, you were making sure like everyone was good from your employees to our first line workers, um, our frontline workers. It is just Wow, it makes me really proud to be an East Coast girl who grew up on PNC, I tell you that. Mm -hmm. Same. Because <laughs> if you know anything about the East Coast, we like we run on Duncan and PNC. <laughs> it's so true though. It's so That's true. <laughs> My entire adulthood. <laughs> I just you know, spit in those two locations. But you know, this is Rick again, you know, but that gets to the point we were talking about earlier. Um about not just writing checks, but being involved. Because if you're not yeah. involved, you wouldn't know the depth of how this could impact a group that you've been supporting. And it also illustrates, it's good to not do one in a row relationships, right? In other words, you know, we've been a partner for so many years, you were at the forefront of our mind, just like say, gleaners or forgotten harvest, you know? And so when you have a real partnership versus just writing the check, I think, you know, when we got into action, we had a pretty good feel of who was going to be impacted. I mean, everybody was impacted, but I mean, who really might be forgotten, who really might be impacted even with more severity than maybe another group. And yeah. um, that's part of that, I think. Mm. 
Wow. Yeah. I mean, because we even had to think about those kinds of things for our organization, but we also um, do a lot of work in behavioral health. So to know that a bank is led by and also has employees that are so forward thinking and so emotionally intelligent that it's understood, like, not just like direct consequences, but sort of indirect consequences of a pandemic. And as an organization, as a financial institution, what can we do to support is incredible. It's just incredible. Yeah, um, I would have and never so, thought. I would have never, would have thought never that would thought. come from a financial institution. Yeah, I mean, so. we're we're a behavioral health organization, so of course these are things that we are we're thinking about for our own young people and our families. But it's just incredible to hear a financial institution was like, we have you know a hand on the pulse of the community, and we know these are how our partners are going to be impacted. So hmm. again, we can't thank you enough. Like the emotional Powerful. intelligence is just wow. <laughs> Um, well, you know, um, if I could just add one more yeah. thing in there that um, this is Rick again, but uh, Brian serves with me um, on our foundation board. And that might not seem like a big thing to you until I tell you what is different about PNC in this regard is that while our funding comes from our headquarters uh, institution, uh, the PNC Foundation in Pittsburgh, the money gets pushed out in the market and they depend on us to know what is going to be impactful. So we actually make the grants here locally for local-based um, diff different institutions because you can't be sitting right. you know, in a cubicle 500 miles or 400 miles away and know, you know, gee, $10,000 is going to be impactful. But we should. Right. And we're paid to right. know that. And um, so you know, the way we do this, um, how we, you know, make it come alive in the communities is different in that regard. A lot of banks, um, I'm not saying all banks, but a lot of banks just do it out of their headquarters location. And we don't because we're, you know, our thinking is, well, you know, if we're really a main street bank and we're really community driven, we better do our philanthropy the same way. Yeah. And so that's part of the art. I think that really helps us you know, in other words, they're counting on us to understand the nuances of what works in Detroit and what works in Detroit might not work in Chicago, might not work in Philadelphia, right? And right. so um, that that's what's really pretty neat. It's a really neat aspect of working at PNC Bank. Yeah, that's what we call in the philanthropy game, meeting people where they are. And that's yeah. imperative. You know, you can't yep. do that work unless you do that. Um, I love that so much because you're right. How will, how will you, you know, headquarters that's based somewhere else know what their needs are in Detroit if they're not here? You know, even if we're talking, you know, just making it very current to what we're dealing with now, like that's like you guys in Detroit trying to figure out what to do to help, you know, folks on the West Coast. We don't even have orange skies. You know, how will we know what to do? <laughs> Although I will tell you, I was driving to Lansing last night and I will tell you, um, we do have that haze going on. Yeah. It's pretty, it's yeah. Amazing how far it on that sunset. Makes for some, yeah. Makes for good sunsets, right? Yeah. Silver linings, you know? Yeah, Silver linings. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta find them where you can at this point. That's <laughs> true. With that one. That's true. <laughs> yes, James. Kind of biblical right now, right? I mean, I'm waiting Very for much. the locusts to come out, you know, floods, fires. You know. Yeah. <laughs> It's definitely a scary time. So yeah, silver linings indeed. 
And so I guess that sort of leads me to our next question, um, just based on the history of your institution, 2003, already providing benefits for, as they were called back then, same-sex couples, and still today, you guys are a blueprint, really. <laughs> just like you've provided a blueprint for how um, other organizations can sort of lead the way when we're thinking about diversity and inclusion. And so an important question we thought we'd ask was, what would be your advice to other companies that are still trying to figure out how to support their community partnerships, particularly at this time? No, that's a great question. This is Brian. So at PNC, I mean, we believe our success is really proportionate to the prosperity and how we help to strengthen our communities. And so really, for the most part, is one, we, we've done a lot of great work so far as an organization, but it's not just check the box and we're done. Right. We're still on this learning culture and we're, we're seeing a new chapter of it open up around our, our racial equity work. But it doesn't mean that we still don't keep in front um, the rest of our populations as well, as well as our LGBTQ plus population. But we continue to challenge ourselves to say, how can we be better and mm -hmm. how can we continue to improve the needle for our stakeholders? Is, and one thing, especially if we think about like, community development and connecting the community is we're always evolving. Right. None of our communities are living in a vacuum or living in a moment in time. So we're even seeing this with the shift of COVID and the impact of COVID has impacted different stakeholders in the community differently. And so this is something that we always have to continually have that listening ear mm -hmm. and really make sure that we're listening to our colleagues. We're listening to our stakeholders in the community and our partners and figuring out, okay, what is it we're doing great to stay true to that? But also where are the areas that maybe we can get better at and challenge ourselves in those areas? It's not that we can do everything, but if we continue to have that process and we continue especially as a leadership team, talk through that and say, what can we do better based on the guidance from our stakeholders? I think we'll continue to, to improve and do better. Yeah, wow. You touched on so many important points there, Brian. Um, and I think the biggest part for me personally, this is Aisha speaking, um, was listening, right? <laughs> it's listening not only to those who you work so closely with, but to also your consumers, the people in the communities that you serve. And I think that that's super important that you said that because I don't think many people expect that from a large financial institution, you know, like, oh, we're, we care, you know, that this aspect of caring. Um, and I just think that it's really beautiful that it can come from you know, such a genuine place. It's not coming just because we're trying to get people to sign up with PNC. It's coming because this is also our community. <laughs> These are, you know, people that we care about. Oh, that's so powerful. It makes me so like want to get teary eyed a little bit. Mm. <laughs> we're an emotional duo. Yeah, we are. If you haven't listened to the podcast previously, <sighs> no, we yeah. get very emotional in these yeah. REC streets. Right. <laughs> And so I guess what I'm hearing from Brian also is that, you know, growth is, you know, an iterative process, right? And that there seems to be in these different iterations, right? There seems to be um, a theme of sort of how do we provide sustainability? You know, like how do we continue to sort of like roll with the punches that come the way of the community, you know, and a lot of that clearly has to do with listening. Um, it's a large part of the work that we do. It's clearly a large part of the work that you do. And so it really makes sense why um, our organizations sort of um, really sort of complement one another in this partnership as well. We do actually, it's clear that we share very similar values. And so it's really wonderful to hear that as well.
I yeah. agree. And you were, at, you were, this is Rick, you were asking about advice. And the other thing I would, um, if somebody was starting fresh, I would say, you know, we talk about listening, but I think the worst thing banks or other institutions can do is be prescriptive. You know, you can't mm -hmm. go out on a Saturday morning and tell people this is what we're going to do, right? Whether it's in a neighborhood or it's with an organization, rather, I think you have to get um, feedback of what would be important to those groups. Mm. Um, you know, and the showing up, not that we're wearing suits right now, but if we were three guys in suits showing up on a Saturday morning somewhere, I don't think you're going to get the response that you're looking for. On the other hand, if the three of us show up, suits or no suits, but come to a community action meeting in a neighborhood on a weeknight and just sit in the back and listen versus tell, but listen, uh, I think eventually if we can work out something in that community, there'll be much more receptivity to that than the other approach. Um, and that gets into what we were saying, what works in Detroit might not work in Atlanta, right? Mm -hmm. But I mean, this uh, there's a tendency with some people to be prescriptive. And I think that leads you down very bad path. Yeah, you know, we talk about that a lot at the center is like, we don't know what, um, we talk about, you know, working with our young people to develop their terms of success, right? Because we can't just go in and say, this is what you gotta do to, do, to get where you need to be. It's like, what if that's not where they're trying to go? So yeah, <laughs> I, I, I love that. Go. Right, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I love that so much because you're right, it can be. And I think, you know, not, you know, here comes my Ruth Ellis Center, let's not demonize. Um, but I do think it comes from a genuine place, right? This prescriptive type of way of going about it because you like, you see this issue and you want to make sure that you're doing everything in your power to help. But sometimes okay. it requires, you know, just a little listening, a little, you know, taking yeah. a step back and trying to fully understand the situation outside of your perspective so that you can help. Um, but and we try, right? You know, <laughs> everyone's And I'm trying. not saying those people aren't uh, well-intended, right? right? Yeah, right, but, uh, right. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> this is a fun combo. <laughs> it's just hard to get, you know, away from that, like, you know, scientific approach to problems, you know? You've yeah. seen something work in one place and you're just so certain it's going to work in another space and then when it doesn't it's like you know why is it this working um, right it's not yeah. the same group of people nor the same situation <laughs> right 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 you know maybe it's a different time like what yeah worked two weeks ago might not work like this very second and it's just really important to be able to just kind of roll with the punches, you know? Yeah, like all of us right now figuring out that, hmm, maybe we don't need to, you know, pay that extra fee of having an office when everyone can work from home. But, you know, we're learning. We are. <laughs> Through trial and error, right? We really are. <laughs> mm. And so, so I find this next question to be really interesting because... We really don't know how long COVID-19 is going to <laughs> impact us and if the impacts are going to be the same, if they're going to change as, as time sort of crawls on. So, you know, how does PNC think the future efforts are going to look like as this, if this and as this continues? You know, Nas, this is Brian. Uh, mm -hmm. Great question. This is actually, this, this question excites me. And this is, um, it's interesting times. At PNC, I mean, it's part of our DNA. It's integrated into us to be a great corporate citizen. 
right? And so how can we really meet the needs of our throughout our markets? But it really means how do we get neighborhood by neighborhood and do we understand what's going on and where we can offer uh, products or services or even just assistance? Um, so often we're in many conversations and as a bank, we have a lot of tools and resources that can help that way. But first we need to listen to what's happening and also understand where we have strengths, where we as a corporation have vulnerabilities or weaknesses too. And so much of our work in this space, I think it's gonna get a little bit more integrated into the neighborhoods. It's gonna work with great partners such as the Ruth Ellis Center to say, how can we collaborate? Because there's so many things that we just don't know what we don't know when it comes to certain neighborhoods or with our certain segments of population. And so really first by listening and then connecting and figuring out, getting vulnerable almost with each organization to say where we can add value, where, where we have hurdles ourselves and trying to figure out how do we really create the ideal end in mind that really benefits that given neighborhood, that given household or population. And so it, it's harder work, if you will, but at the same time, it, it's a lot more meaningful and it's, it has the human side uh, of yeah. the work. And so it's kind of interesting to see almost like the psychology come into the banking world. And it's no longer just looking at margins, but how do we be that great corporate <laughs> citizen? Yeah. Oh, Brian, you got excited about that. And I also got excited when you said knowing your strength versus weaknesses, because I think that that hit the nail on the head, right? Like you can't just come in and say, okay, we're going to fix everything. If you don't even know what your strength is as an organization or what your weaknesses are as an organization. So, oh yeah, that got me excited that (laughs) you mentioned that because I feel like, you know, right now everyone is in this very reactive period and that could be good, right? Because it's where we just talked about how you guys' quick response really helped us here at the center, Mm -hmm. but responding quickly without what you're saying, Brian, without having that internal reflection really on like what you can actually do to help the issue um, can lead to a lot of problems if not done correctly. So I love, I love that. I love Oh, I love this. I love fancy. <laughs> Seriously. Well, well, at the same time, it, at the same time, it goes to show. I mean, we benefit just as much with the relationship with Ruth Ellis as well, right? Oh. It's, it's the relationship with Ruth Ellis and the educational side of things and, and learning more—it's um, it, helped us grow as an organization too. And so, it's definitely a mutual, beneficial relationship. Yeah, we love that. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to think about, like working on your weaknesses in a time where pretty much everyone is vulnerable in one way yeah. or another. That's why so, that, when he said that, it took me back a little bit because yeah. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> that takes a lot. And cons list. <laughs> it, yeah, it takes a lot of reflection. And, and again, sorry. yeah, right. It takes a lot of reflection. Just again, a lot of emotional intelligence because it's just not something you want to do when you're already, you know what I'm saying? When, when you're already right. struggling, to then be like, oh, I have to focus on my weaknesses. Like, yeah. <laughs> right, right. The maturity, really. <laughs> the maturity. You know yeah. what I call that? Growth now. Yes, Growth. it is. It is. It is. It really <laughs> is. And so, I mean, just on a personal level and just seeing what that looks like and manifests like in a professional setting and environment. Yeah. Really interesting. Um, um, yeah. I just suggest to add on to that, Naz, before you yeah. get into that next question. Exactly that, because this conversation overall has just been so eye-opening for me personally, because I've never worked in a corporate field. I've only worked in nonprofit. So to see this like investment in philanthropy and community and in community partnerships from a corporation is just like already blowing my mind. Uh, (laughs) I mean, not really shocked because we've been working PNC for as long as we have. And like, of course, but it's just like, it feels so good to know that like, this like relationship is 
not only genuine, but this, this is what they do. Like these are their, their core values. They're, you know, things that they already found important before even us stepping, you know, working with us six years ago. This mm -hmm. is just these founding principles of such a major, you know, financial organization, you know, still PNC girl for life. You know? mm -hmm. Hats off. Absolutely. So, so Naz, uh, you said that you're familiar from your Jersey days with PNC, right? Yeah. So, you know, it, PNC stands for Pittsburgh National Court, but if mm -hmm. you want, you have our permission, you could say it, PNC stands for a pretty neat corporation. <laughs> I I'm believe cool it. with that. So, I believe you it. Have, <laughs> you have my blessing to use that one if, anytime you want, but uh, I, will. I, I use that one every so often. And people I will. Look at me going, Does it really stand for that? I'm like, no. Yeah. I'm you already like, yeah, like I'm already having a conversation with my mom in my head about this. So yeah. like, I'm so ready to, to share all of that. And actually, um, Aisha and I have um, freakishly, like very similar backgrounds, both of us born and raised in part in, uh, in New Jersey, and then both of us ended up somehow in the Poconos. Um, and there's PNC everywhere. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like, you, like we were, you know, <laughs> The PNC the is like the East Coast Bank. Hot tubs, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's yes. all I can think of when I hear Yes, Pocahontas. that's exactly right. Hot tubs and right. tubing, tubing yes. down the slopes. Yes. <laughs> that's all we got. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's it <really> trees. <laughs> lots of trees, lots of deer. Yeah. yeah. Um, you guys. Lots of weekend trips, yeah. <laughs> and we lived in it, so. Yeah. <laughs> and I will say, as a Jersey, Pennsylvania to Michigan girl, right. Uh, I don't know if this is, that's why I said like um, the East Coast runs on PNC and on Duncan, because I always feel like every time I saw a PNC bank, it was yes. always close to some type of Yes, there was always a PNC ATM. I'm not even, <laughs> I don't know. It's a conspiracy. <laughs> it's a I don't conspiracy. know if you guys have like a little partnership you haven't told us about. On the low. Like, I remember vivid memories of like, okay, we're going to mm -hmm. go to Dunkin' Donuts, get our strawberry frosted, you know, yep. donut and our mm -hmm. coffee culotta, and then we're going to PNC yep. to get money out the bank and do whatever mom needed to do back then. Yep. So, yes, this yeah. is a Verbatim, like, walking <laughs> past FIT, walking past FIT in like, in New York City, like, 6th and 33rd, had to stop at PNC before I hopped on the train back to Jersey, like, See? always. Always, always. It's just uh, like PNC is just life. And just like the orange aesthetic as well. It's just like a really, you know, fan favorite. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Because it pops. Like when yeah. it's placed on the building, it just, right. you know, it pops. So right. you know I, was, I felt so fancy when I got my first PNC debit card. I was like, same. bam. <laughs> yeah, same. I felt the same when I was at Rutgers. Absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> so moving back to our questioning, um, and Brian touched on this a little. Um, and it's just been incredible to hear, but like how has, as an organization, like COVID changed the way that PNC gives? Or has it? Because you guys have been out in these philanthropy streets for a really long time. So, you know, has COVID really impacted the way that you as a, an institution give? This is Rick, you know, earlier I was talking about what we pivoted, you know, that was just from the foundation here, the million dollars, but we specifically uh, as a company earmarked 30 million just for COVID related um, causes. And, you know, it, wow. so it's, um, but, you know, again, you know, we're uh, 
all that money um, is put out through these local um, foundations, if you will, that are chaired by each regional president and then have people such as Brian on, on the board. So, um, you know, that's in addition to what we normally give. Normally, roughly the PNC Foundation distributes about 76 to $80 million a year um, in the communities that we serve, uh, but this would be on top of that. Um, so, Brian and I were the lucky recipients of getting phone calls that we had extra money um, to put out regarding COVID. But then we took that money and there's just a lot of things, like I said earlier, that we're not doing because we can't get together. You know, whether that's, you know, events like the auto show or, you know, unfortunately things like that. And so we took that money and pivoted over into these other endeavors, like I said earlier you know, food insecurity, shelter, you know, first responders. But so it's been kind of a combination of extra funds received, but also, you know, an acknowledgement of a pivot. Um, and it's kind of funny, you said this earlier, but some of these things um, are going to be running for a while. And um, as we continue to work our way through COVID, I'm sure all of us thought in March, we wouldn't be still working from home in September, right? Um, some of these things might last, you know, quite a bit longer, as I think all of us are learning, you yeah. know, not, not just at the bank, but, you know, medical profession, everybody, uh, we're still learning as we go here. It's almost hard to imagine what it used to be like, but uh, <laughs> so it's gonna, it might be around, you know, I, I think for a while, but um, there's just things that you don't think about, right? I mean, if you're Gleaner's Food Bank, um, how do you give that? you know, how do you package that food up and how do you give it out in a responsible, safe manner for the recipients and the people that are donating their time to give it out, you know? So, yeah. you know, immediately think of, wow, they have a PPE need big time. And, you know, for a while there, you know, in early April, they were competing for PPE with hospitals and everything else, right? And so it was, um, I think all of us have learned a lot um, I hope there's not a second wave, but there could be. And, you know, I think um, we could probably get monies out probably better and a more thoughtful. And you were mentioned earlier, reactive. I think now, um, you know, we could be more proactive in that. Yeah, more intentional, right? Um, right. Because I just feel like, like, and like we said earlier, you know, I, I didn't, I don't want anyone to like walk away from this call or, you know, this pod episode thinking that, you know, reaction is I'm demon, like demonizing reaction because it's not, you know, that's natural, it's natural to just, you know, react. But yeah, as you're saying, you know, as we're moving along and especially because, you know, so many of us have been in this far longer than we thought we do need to be start, start thinking more intentionally about what does it look like to give, you know, if this goes into 2021, which unfortunately it's feeling like it will, but um, yeah, oh, important point to me there, Rick, important point. So we talked so much um, with that last question, just about, you know, our current political climate in a way, um, you know, how we're navigating our future with us not really knowing what to, what to be prepping for, right? Um, and so that leads me to my next question, which is how has the current social and political climate impacted your commitment to equity, diversity, and inclusion? 
Great question, Mr. Brian. So when we look at it and, and staying away from politics, what I can say is if we look for differences and how differences separate us, we can find them. But if we look for commonality amongst each other, right, we can find things we have in common and bring us together as a society. Uh, so for us at PNC Bank, I mean, diversity, inclusion, or DNI, it's really it's amongst one of our core corporate values, and it has been for a couple of decades now. So for a long time now, we've embraced DNI not really as the right thing to do or just as the right thing to do, but really as an imperative in our business model. That said, I mean, we, we think about the recent events that have happened around diversity, equity, and inclusion um, being at the forefront. Um, we're, as an organization, we're, we're really stepping up to say, how can we do more and how can we be better in this space? And we're, we're proud that PNC recently made an announcement where we're committing a billion dollars to help support efforts in ending systemic racism. A billion and really supporting the economic. A billion yes, dollars, <laughs> correct. Yes, Over Brian. the next three years. <laughs> Yeah. Whoa, I, I'm so sorry. It, I was like, excuse me, did I hear that correctly? <laughs> wow. Absolutely. Now, keep, keep in mind, right, we, we have almost four decades of outstanding CRE ratings. So this is above wow. and beyond what we normally do. And this is really how can we really support efforts, like I mentioned, around ending or helping to support ending systemic racism, but also supporting economic empowerment um, of our African-American mm. and low to moderate income communities. We know so often there's been some division that's happened because of federal policies and things like that. And, and there's unfortunately been an unfair access to capital. And so this is something that we are really, we're rolling up our sleeves and we want to make a, a great difference here. Um, one a great example of this is we actually created for the first time ever a chief corporate social responsibility officer wow. who's led by Richard Bynum in our organization. And DNI and even the community development banking team have all been rolled up into reporting to Richard now. Because part of this is, is, it is part of our business model, but it's also part of our corporate social responsibility to be that great corporate citizen, both internally to our employees, but also, and, and just as important, if not more important, externally to the communities that we, we work, live, and play. Wow. Um, <clears throat> you got me like a little teary-eyed. I'm not going to lie. I'm like just a little caught up in my feels. Because um, <laughs> like I said, we're so emotional here. <laughs> on the pod but it's just like the layers of care that has was wrapped in what you said right brian with like big themes that came out for me was one accountability right by hiring this new officer to really have this kind of this work funnel through and then putting once again putting your money where your mouth is right it's one thing to show up um but are we also supporting providing support to those same like you know marginalized folks in a way that can benefit them um that then you know wow uh i'm just blown away i truly am um not surprised because you know pnc but still just like wow it really pulls at your heartstrings to know that the support is not only coming from a genuine place but is like you said have been this is what you guys have been doing for decades like this for a lot of corporations and organizations this is the first time they've you know really looked at one themselves as a whole and one society as a whole in this way so the fact that pnc is like oh been there done that but we're still working on being better is just like what yeah. You know, that's amazing. I agree. Because I think this time particularly has forced people, and I would think organizations as a whole, to put a mirror up to themselves. And I, I, I would hope that when PNC held that mirror up to themselves, that there was um, really a lot of pride 
yeah. than what you've already, I mean, been doing. I mean, and I totally mean the pun. Pride in, in all the ways. <laughs> Pride in all the ways. We didn't that miss we that. Find it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I really I'm beaming hope. with pride for you guys. And it's yeah. just like, yeah, we've been working with them for a decade already. Yeah, I am. I mean, <laughs> myself, like, I'm really, really proud. I like, I have yeah. so much more to like run and tell my family and all of my loved ones about like the incredible work that you're doing. So just another reason to be proud from the, to be from the East coast, you know? Yeah. I'm really, <laughs> I mean, I'm really like, I'm seriously yeah. planning out this phone call to my mom. Like she's going to yes. do like, all of this. I, might, I think I'm just going to send her the podcast episode. Like, you need to listen to all of this. And yeah. then we need to open another account, like, clearly. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, that is, a, like, a perfect segue um, to my next question, which you kind of, like, answered, Brian, right? Because we're talking about the fact that, like, this has been work that you have already been doing. Um, so it's not a matter of, like, how you're implementing it, but more of, like, how has it changed um, because, you know, like we said, there's n never one right way to do anything, especially now with these mirrors being held up to us, you know, how, um, like, you know, what are you guys doing internally to strengthen that commitment, you know, to equity, diversity, and inclusion, whether it be with your um, staff, whether it be with community partnerships? Um, yeah, I'm curious. No, great question. Uh, again, Mr. Brian. So at us, at PNC, we, we're really working at getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Ooh, so we, we yes, conducted a number of, <laughs> we, we've conducted a number of um, listen, learn, and act sessions led by our executive committee, um, which we invited all of our employees to really join and participate. Wow. In addition, we, we've initiated a number of ongoing dialogues across the organization and how we can really work together better to really further drive meaningful change as it relates to racial inequality, social justice, mm -hmm. these conversations have really have allowed us to further kind of establish and create a culture where employees feel safe and they're open to sharing their experiences and, and feeling heard. Right. Additionally, within PNC, our corporate diversity council, and we've had lines of business diversity councils and even regional diversity councils that drive and champion DNI initiatives across the enterprise. This improves our cultural agility and our ability to better serve our diverse employee population, as well as our diverse customer base. We, we continue to empower our employees to explore how to best understand and interact with each other through our biz employee business resource group, or also kind of infinity groups for companies who might have different names for that. Mm -hmm. These groups are really bringing together employees who share heritage, gender, sexual orientation, backgrounds, interests, and even intergenerational connections. Right, so how can we really learn about each other and get better to, as a culture? In Detroit, our EBRG groups, we include, we have a Detroit Women Connect. We have our PNC Proud, which I'm happy to say I'm their executive sponsor. And we have our African-American EBRG group as well. Um, each of these groups focus on personal and professional development. These groups enable our employee to better understand similarities and differences, as I mentioned, um, so we can work more cohesively. Our EBRG groups have really kind of been a secret sauce for us to help PNC as a whole to better understand various segments of the market so we can better serve our customers. Wow. Yeah. I love you all's ERG groups too, because we've worked with them, you know, on smaller little events, whether it was like a Halloween party for the young people here um, and things like that. So powerful. And it's just, 
it's funny because I feel like when folks are first going to see this episode, right, they're going to be like, why are they talking to PNC? You know, like they, we know we, they've done work with PNC, but like how, where's this coming? And it's just like, well, we're talking to PNC because PNC has been leading uh, as an example on how you do respond to something like this, how you do show up for folks like this. Um, and it's just, I'm so glad that we got this time to like really dive into this because it's important that other, not only, you know, folks listening to this podcast who may, you know, be fans of the pod or, you know, supporters of the center or just, you know, supporters of the LGBTQIA plus community as a whole, but it's really, really important for all of them as well as other corporations and organizations to hear from you all how to do this. Because it's one thing for us to say it as, you know, a nonprofit coming in and saying, this is what you need to do to support us. But it's one thing to hear from someone in their same like frame of work saying, this is what we're doing to make sure we're, you know, being equitable and inclusionary and diverse and we're trying our best and like you said you know we're getting uncomfortable being we're getting comfortable being uncomfortable and that's the only way to really have those kind of conversations and I commend you guys so much for that it's it's really 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 powerful Um, Mm -hmm. I can't wait for folks to hear this episode because I think it's going to really just give them a different uh, outlook, you know, on corporations. Um, you know, personally, it's given me a different outlook on corporations. So I can only imagine folks who aren't as involved, like with with this work, will feel. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, my next two questions just feel like so silly <laughs> at this point after hearing all that you all do. So I will close this interview with. Um, a question that I think that you all, like I said, are leading examples in how to do this. So I'm curious on like what you think, but um, what kind of impact does PNC hope to make towards social justice to marginalized groups such as the LGBTQIA community as a whole? Because you're doing so much, you know, as a, you know, locally, you're doing so much with your community partnership. So how do you think that this work that you're doing is going to impact you know, the work that, I mean, how people see you and how you engage with folks on a larger scale outside of just these interpersonal relationships. How about if, um, this is Rick, and I'll start off, and maybe I think all three of us should answer that, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think um, we want to, um, at least in the, in the financial sector, we also want to be the employer of choice. And so, you know, if you just look at this from a lens of uh, that as an employer, we really feel, you know, that um, on the margin, you know, if we're pretty close on pay and so forth, it's going to help us retain and attract employees. Um, right. But also, you know, it's... Uh, I'm ready to this fill out an application, right? <laughs> well, right? This is going to sound selfish, but it also is good business. Yeah. You know, I mean, we want to be known as the bank that thinks a little bit differently, that has an affinity to all people, all people. Mm-hmm. And so if it can help us attract more business, that is uh, important. And I will tell you that, you know, I can't underscore enough about our ability to lead. We have to be more understanding. Mm. And, you know, I, I, I can tell you from a personal standpoint, uh, as the father of a gay man, you know, um, this, this issue really resonates with me and my wife and you know it's been a journey I'll I'll be candid with you Mm -hmm. and um, 
you know, I'm proud of my son. He's a teacher. Um, he's a great partner. Um, you know, a and uh, worker. But it really, yeah, frontline, uh, frontline forgotten, yes. as he would yeah. say sometimes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, not getting paid all that much, as yeah. you know, as teachers. <laughs> but uh, I digress. But, you know, he, um, but it's really, he has helped me on this journey more than I've helped him in terms mm. of just broadening my capability and understanding. So, um, you know, it's just all kinds of reasons why this makes sense both from it's not only the right thing to do but just from a business standpoint and just you know as an employer employer and an employee yeah rick i'm really glad that you brought up that business standpoint as well because one of the things that you know uh, i'm from the millennial generation but one of the big things that our generation is big on is making sure that we're supporting businesses and organizations and companies that align with our moral and ethical values and that are doing the work that we ourselves um, find to be important. So I think that's a, a very valid point because I remember when I first bought my first pair of Toms, I was so excited because I was like, oh, I buy one and he gives a pair. Like that's what I can get behind. Um, and yep. so I think that that speaks volumes. It's not, you know, a, a, I, don't, I guess I would say I, it's not a selfish reason to feel that way. You know, anybody wants to be in good business with good folks, you know, so yep. whether you're a customer, an employee or anything. So I, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. That was amazing. And I also appreciate really just like the authenticity, right? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you are a business you know, and <laughs> margins do still have importance. And to find um, that actually trying to be a good organization also equates to you as an organization, as good business, to me is a thing of beauty, really. <laughs> because, um, I mean, because that's not always the objective. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, sometimes saving money or making more money doesn't necessarily equate to some businesses as you know doing the right thing and the fact that you've been able to sort of merge those ideas so beautifully um, and be ass. authentic about it and be honest about it yeah is is really it's great to hear it's like man that is really good business because like i know i shouldn't myself like we're not going to be quiet about this obviously we're going to tell right. everyone we've ever met <laughs> You should be making with PNC. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is going to be on my lips for like the next like month you know, yes. <laughs> for the foreseeable future. Um, and so it's really great to just hear that, you know, very authentically that, you know, doing this kind of work is really, you know, it's also just really good business. So I, I appreciate you um, just being so honest with us and sharing that. Yeah. James, Brian. This is James. One of the other things that, you know, kind of what we do and being, getting the business from it, but one of the other part, we've worked tirelessly over the years, you know, when the Equality Act has come out um, and the Human Rights Campaign has something come out, PNC is right in line with, yeah. with doing that. Um, we've been one of the best places to work for LGBT equality for a number of years, and we're very proud of that. Um, and then even when there's things that are coming out, like the Equality Act, our, our CEO and our board is quick to jump on that because they want to make sure that you know, as employees, we can bring our whole selves to work and we can have that authentic mm. workplace. Um, and being part of the community and an employee, I don't think people understand how that feels and how important that is because yeah. it's not just a checkbox at that point. We're actually doing what we say uh, and making an impact for the employees. So 
Yeah. Beautiful. I also James. love that because yeah. that's, that's something that we really, I mean, I can say personally, and I'm sure Aisha will agree. Um, that's part of the reason I'm at the center yeah. is that I can fully be who I am and just imagine like, and we know, I guess, like what great work you can produce when you're able to show up in a space and a hundred percent be yourself. I mean, yeah, it's very clear, even from this phone call, you know what I mean? Look at how PNC has been able to show up because of, and how they've been able to show up for their communities because of how they show up for their employees mm -hmm. by allowing them to be their fullest selves in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, that's major. I mean, when I was first graduating college and I was looking into what career I would get into, I like flew away from corporate because I thought I would never be able to be myself in corporate world. I don't fit in that corporate bubble. You know, like I would have to work in nonprofit or work for myself in order to work and be happy. And little did I know PNC was right there. Right there. Applications <laughs> ready. You know, Next um, time, in my next life. <laughs> yeah, I just, and then also, if I'm going to be honest, like, you know, I do have friends who work for organizations where they are not able to show up as themselves. Mm. And it really does impact their experience as employees. And yep. I don't know, and I'm sure, like, we've, you know, we've had these conversations. I'm sure that they're probably not at their best because they can't 100% be themselves. So to understand yeah. that that um, is an experience that you're having, James, as an employee is incredibly important yeah. um, and definitely something that everyone needs to know about. And I think um, Brian spoke to that too when he mm -hmm. spoke about their ERGs, right? Yep. I mean, that in mm -hmm. itself right there is showing you not only are they providing a space where their employees, their customers, their community partnerships, anyone involved with them can show up at their full self. They also have organ like little organizations within them that they could be a part of as well. Like mm -hmm. when you're talking about community, they're building their own community within side PNC. And then that community is able to reach out to the external community and create this beautiful partnership. Like yeah. that, that's how you do the work. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, you guys need to be doing some trainings. Go to the other banks and teach them. Yes. <laughs> oh gosh, this has been such such an informative um, conversation, and honestly, just a very heartwarming one. To be mm -hmm. quite honest, uh, we know you know me and Naz and all of us here at Ruth Ellis Center have got to see firsthand just the beautiful work that you guys do. But it is so nice to be able to share that with not only our supporters, but also anyone who's going to listen to this podcast too, because I think this is important that they should know that there are companies, especially financial institutions like this that exist. Um, I, I'm, I, yeah, I'm just so grateful that you guys took the time to come out here and chat with us, um, that we got to get real deep, you know, and authentic and just, yeah, this was a, a great, great conversation and we really, really appreciate you guys so much. Well, thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I also just wanted to, um, impress upon you all and, and clearly it's something that you, um, understand very well. Um, but, you know, so much of, of giving and not just, you know, from, from a financial standpoint or even philanthropic, but so much of being there and being a good business is, you know, and being a good person even is being present. 
Yeah. So much of it is about being present. And really, this is just, this is one manifestation of how PNC shows up for its community and for its community partners. And so it, this has been an incredible conversation to be a part of. Yeah. The fact that you're all present Mm -hmm. is just, I mean, Present in the midst of a like pandemic. Like I love to just add that onto everything because it just makes this even more impactful. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? It's like it's not like you guys are being present and showing up for us as a one of your community partnerships during a time that's easy for you personally or for your organization Mm -hmm. as a whole. You're showing up for us in a time where everyone is going through it, even Mm -hmm. yourselves in ways, and you're still saying, Well, we need to still help, you know? Right. And that is, like, uh, uh, admirable. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just like, wow. You know, it's like you got a needle in your arm. I hate to put it that way. I guess I would say, like, some strap metal in your arm. And they're still like, well, let me go tend to this other person's wound. And it's like, wow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But you got a whole piece of strap metal in your arm. So, It's been hard for me to be present, like, in my kitchen. So, the fact that... So, so the fact that, you know, and then I, I can't even imagine, you know, what life looks like with you all not being able to be together and, um, oh, that's hindered your communication. So many, cause I'm sure the objectives that Ooh. you had on January 1, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> have shifted, changed, yeah. and been yeah. deleted and at this point. fiscal year for many organizations having just ended, I'm very sure that the agenda and the objectives look very different than they did. Yeah, I do. <laughs> no doubt about Rick it. says confirmation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that you're able to show up and just show out with us is just, yeah. Honestly, I'm in such awe. Yeah. Of all of you and the work that you do, you've been um, a large part of my life. I'm sure Aisha can say the same. Um, and to sort of know My this first side, thing. I'm saying like, and to know <laughs> this side of the organization, um, it's just an incredible experience. And I'm, I'm so excited to share um, with our listeners and also all of my loved ones. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so okay. much. It has been a pleasure and we're going to take a break guys and we'll be right back. If you're interested in supporting the center, whether it be through sponsorship or by donating, feel free to send us an email at voicesofrec at ruthellacenter.org, or you can go to our website and click the donate button in the corner or click on the info button to get to know us a little bit more.